0: Well, Hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today on the Monday broadcast. And today I want to talk to you on the subject of how to grow my inheritance. You know, in the third quarter of 2021, the average 401k account balance was about 126000 12 months later, at the end of 2022, that figure dropped to $97,200. Now, this was according to Fidelity Research. So I guess you could say that 2022 was a challenging year for retirement plans, and those who participated had a huge amount of loss. Uh, Most people lost about 30%, some lost even more than that. So as we think about how to grow our inheritance, many people are very concerned about their financial bottom line. And uh, I know that's a concern, but really the purpose of this broadcast today is really to help you to grow your spiritual inheritance. And I want you to know that your spiritual inheritance, it can grow regardless of what is happening around you. You know, every second Saturday of the month at 7 a.m. Every second Saturday of the month at 7 a.m., I get together with a group of guys, and we have a prayer breakfast together, and we have a guest speaker that will come in, and he'll speak to our men and encourage our men. Well, this past weekend, we had our second Saturday gathering, and uh, at the end of this time together, we had a wonderful message on the story of Elijah. You know, Elijah is a fascinating character in the Bible, and uh, he is a prophet that had a lot of zeal. I mean, he had a lot of strength. He killed 750 prophets of Baal, and uh, that didn't get him discouraged. Uh, But what got him discouraged? A woman by the name of Jezebel. Jezebel got so ticked off, she said, I'm going to kill that prophet. And that got him so discouraged and got him so defeated. He just wanted to die. He says, Lord, you know, there's nobody out there doing what I'm doing. Why don't you just go ahead and take me home? Uh, Well, maybe you feel that way sometimes. You're looking at your life and you're looking at the culture around us and it feels like everybody's going the wrong way. And it feels like you're the only one uh, that is interested in growing spiritually. Uh, But I want you to know, even in the midst of difficult times, you can grow spiritually. Now, as we look at where our culture is, now we wanna be aware of where the culture is without being discouraged by where the culture is. So what I'm about to say, Is really not meant to discourage you, but it's meant to encourage you. Gallup Survey has been surveying Americans since 1937. That was the first year they started following the trends of where the United States is on many subjects, but primarily where they are on matters of faith. So, up until recently, the number of Americans who were involved in some form of a religious congregation. Was about 70%. It stayed between 70 and 73% from 1937 up until the last few years. And most recently, 2021, they discovered that 47% of Americans belong to some form of religious congregation. In other words, we've lost a good chunk of people. Uh, We've lost about 23 percentage points of those who are connected with a religious congregation. Now, we know where most of them have gone. Most of them have now decided that their faith is going to be a nun. If they are going to be surveyed, what religious faith are you part of? Uh, they're going to say none. And I'm not talking about nuns as in the, uh, a Catholic nun, or if you're old enough like me. You remember that old sitcom? It was called The Flying Nun. Uh, so I'm not talking about The Flying Nun. I'm not talking about the nun uh, that serves in the Catholic Church. I'm talking about nun N O and E, that I have no religious affiliation. That number has gone up. And it seems like it's continuing to going up. Well, what does this mean for me? Does this mean that my ability to live a righteous life is also being diminished? Well, no. When it comes to finances, for example, even during the Great Depression, you know not everybody lost money during the Great Depression. Some people actually did very well financially. During the Great Depression. Right now, many people are doing extremely well financially in spite of inflation, in spite of the drop within their 401k. Some people will survive and even thrive during difficult times. The same is true spiritually. So we're looking at Romans chapter 8 today. We'll look at this again tomorrow. But Paul is talking about the fact that as followers of Christ, there is no condemnation for us we talked about that in previous broadcasts, but today I want to kind of focus on Romans chapter eight, verses 12 through 17. And so I want to do a couple of things in the broadcast today and tomorrow. One, I want to explain to you from God's word, from this passage of what happens to me while I'm free from the power of sin. There's four things that Paul talks about that happens to us when we are able to overcome the power of sin. And by the way, that's not by our own strength. That's by the strength of the Spirit of God, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But let's read the text, and then we will get into why I'm free from the power of sin. And then I want to talk to you on the broadcast tomorrow about how your inheritance spiritually will grow. What does God do to us to make our inheritance grow? And we got four things that he does to help us to grow our spiritual inheritance. Well, let's read the text. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by the dictates of the flesh, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful flesh, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves, but instead you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with the Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share His suffering. Now, I guess I could have gone through the whole broadcast without reading that last statement. You know, if you want to share in his glory, you must also share in his suffering. So let's talk about what happens to me when I'm free from the power of sin. You look at people who have gained victory over sin in their lives. What happens to them? Why are they different? Well, here's the first thing. Paul says that they have a mind that is set on the things of the Spirit. Verse number five, those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit says. Now, it is during a time of crisis that your mind needs to be stayed upon the Spirit of God. Isaiah tells us that God will keep us in perfect peace if our mind is stayed on Him because He trusts in him. So the one who has his mind on the matters of the spirit, thinking about the spirit, mindset on the spirit, that is the person who has power over sin. Now, our dilemma is this we have so many things that distract us, right? So many things come along into our lives that deter us from having our mindset on what the spirit desires. As a matter of fact, police academies, they are known to involve rigorous physical and mental tests within the time of recruiting of their officers, right? Uh, They put them through the harshest of life testing to make sure that they will not lose their focus. As a matter of fact, one Indiana Police Academy training facility found as a way to see if a person who is going through the academy will remain focused, especially under times of pressure. So what they do is they have a rubber chicken, that's right, a a rubber chicken, and they put it into the recruit's face as he's standing at attention. And the purpose is to try to distract this recruit. So the challenge is to stand at attention, not to break your focus in the midst of this strong distraction, that rubber chicken. Well, there's a Facebook video that actually shows this being done, and you see uh, a series of tough-faced young men and young women who are one by one tested by the abrupt and that awkward noise of a rubber chicken being squeezed right next to their ear or right in front of their faces. Well, they find that some pass the test, and some are able to stare straight ahead without blinking, while a good number of others can't help themselves, and they crack a smile And they start even to laugh sometimes, even in these difficult times, right? The Facebook post is entitled, The Exercise, The Chicken Test, designed to test a cadet's demeanor, focus, and sense of humor. Well, not bad, but I guess we could say that Satan is our rubber chicken foe. He is constantly trying to bring things into our lives to distract us. But if our mind is stayed on the things of the Spirit, then we have victory. Then we have power over the sin. And it's not just a one-time power over sin. It is a consistent and a continual power over sin. Jesus, when he was exhorting Peter, and you know, whenever you study the life of Peter, uh, you can't help but identify with him, right? Uh, That's why I guess I love Peter so much is because I can readily identify with Peter. Well, you remember the story in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus has gathered his disciples around and he says, now, listen, guys, and I'm paraphrasing what Jesus said, okay? He said, I am going to suffer. I'm going to die. And he says, you're going to betray me. You're going to be scattered. Well, Peter, you know, part of that inner circle, Peter decides to say something. And he says, well, listen, Lord. And again, I'm paraphrasing. Peter says, you know, the rest of these knuckleheads around you, you know, I could see them denying you, but not me. You have my support. I'm with you 100%. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your minds on the things of God, but on the things of man. Did you get what Jesus said? Jesus says, Peter, your mind is not on the spirit of or the things of God, you're getting caught up on the things of man. He began to get caught up in the pride of life. He was so proud of himself. He was looking around and says, I imagine everybody else is going to be proud of me, taking a stand for Jesus. Everybody else is going to deny him, but not me. I'm going to stand up in the midst of that pressure. I'm not going to get distracted. And Jesus says, you know, you've got your mind in the wrong place. you got your mind set on the things of man. So we've learned first today that those who are free from the power of sin have a mind that is set on the Spirit of God. Here's the second thing they have. They have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse number 9 says, you are not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, when you're born again, the Spirit of God takes up residence within you the Word is tabernacled within you, lives within us. The Spirit of God lives within us. Now, if that is true, and it is true as a believer, then we're no longer under the control of the flesh. Now we're under the control of the Spirit. God lives within us. Now, that doesn't mean there's nothing else to learn. As a matter of fact, this is the beginning of the teaching process. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we're without sin. It means that we are and dwelt by the spirit, we're being led by the spirit. Now, as I was thinking about this point, don't be insulted with this particular illustration. I want to talk to you a minute about why do cats get stuck in a tree. And you've seen this, right? A cat goes up the tree and can't get down, and so you gotta call the fire department or somebody that's gotta rescue that cat. Did you ever wonder why house cats can climb up a tree, but they don't know how to get down from that tree? Well, there was an animal expert, and he actually was an autism advocate, and he was the one who came up with the Temple Grandin theory, and uh, he studied kids with autism, and he discovered why kids with autism get stuck with their lives, you know, mentally and, and academically. Well, this particular theory is that with cats going up a tree, at some point, the mother cat teaches that little kitten how to descend from that tree. Just as they teach their young a whole lot of other great things, they teach a little kitten how to hunt and, and how to bury their waste and how to you know catch live prey and, and how to approach an unknown person or a dog and so forth. And I've seen this personally, how cats will approach you if they don't know you. They don't approach you like a dog does, right? A cat will be more timid in how he approaches you, and oftentimes a cat doesn't know you will come up next to you and, and kind of rub against your <laughs> leg or whatever. Well, cats... They discovered get stuck in trees a uh, sort of theory goes uh, the ones that get stuck in the trees are the cats that were taken away from their mothers before they learned a lesson about how to get out of the trees before they were taught uh, so this is just a theory but we do know from scientific studies that a great deal of animal behavior is actually learned behavior It's not all instinctual. Much of their behaviors are learned. Scientific studies have been done of all kinds of animals, whether it be tigers or wolves or cheetahs or birds or lizards or fish and even ants. And these studies show that animals learn how to live a particular kind of way by watching, by observing, and by imitating their mothers and their fathers and other members of their animal group. They learn by imitation. And so today, when you think about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God brings people into our lives that are also spirit-filled believers that help us to learn the things of the Lord. So we don't want to be stunted in our growth. We constantly need to be learning. David said, Lord, teach me your way so that I can rely on your faithfulness. And then he says, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. So we've learned so far today in the broadcast that if you are overcoming sin in your life, it's because your mind is set on the things of the Spirit. Every time you fall into sin, it's because your mind has preconceived that sin. I guess, you know, we cannot say technically that we fall into sin. We technically decide to sin. And I know sometimes you can get caught up in something without even kind of fully being engaged cognitively, but you still make that choice that you're going to commit that sin. So when you're free from the power of sin, it's because your mind is set on the things of Spirit. When you're free from the power of sin, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then number three, Paul tells us, verse number 13, Romans chapter 8, that when we are overcoming the power of sin, we have the ability to control the deeds of the body. Romans 8, 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now, this is a matter of discipline. Now, I want you to know that oftentimes we're afraid to talk too much about the spiritual disciplines necessary to be a follower of Christ. Now, I think next year I'm going to do a study on the disciplines of the Christian life. I've done a, I guess, kind of a quick search throughout the Bible. And I found about 30 separate disciplines that believers in Christ should have in their lives. And it doesn't mean if you're missing one that you're not a believer. I'm not implying that. But if you're a believer that is growing in your faith, you're also growing in your disciplines. Because, listen, the world is controlled. The world is run by those who are disciplined, even those that you may disagree with. If they are more disciplined in living out what they believe than you are, they're going to have an upper hand. It's not the talented people that run the world. It's the disciplined people. You cannot live the Christian life without having some discipline in your life. And the Lord will give you the ability to be disciplined, but you've got to be surrendered to Him. Paul says, if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And so here's my question. Can you control yourself? You know, One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Now, one key discovery is that self-control is something that can be built upon. They actually have done different experiments and discovered, and they did a kind of a simple experiment, okay? And you you may disagree with uh, the way they put together this study, but I think you'll agree with me when it comes to the end results of what this study found. And so they got a group of people together, a group of students together. These were freshmen in college They were college students, and they had them go 24 hours without eating. And then they sat them at a table, and on this table, they had freshly baked chocolate chip cookies, right? (laughs) You can almost smell them as I'm talking about them. You know, the ones that just came out of the oven, and they're like partly soft and partly crunchy, and, uh, and you're looking for a glass of milk to down with this delicious chocolate chip cookie. And then they also had candy you think about your favorite candy. For me, uh, I'd be looking for the Reese's peanut butter cups, or I'd be looking for the Kit Kat bars, okay? Uh, I love those two candy bars. As a matter of fact, I I was kidding around with our congregation and said, if they don't have Reese's peanut butter cups in heaven, uh, I'm not sure that I want to go, right? I'm hoping there are Reese's peanut butter cups in heaven. I'm hoping that there's chocolate chip cookies in heaven. I'm hoping that there's milkshakes in heaven. I'm hoping there's pepperoni pizza in heaven. And I'm hoping there's Chick-fil-A in heaven, okay? Uh, Those are the things that I hope will be in heaven. Whether or not they're there, uh, when I get there, probably won't matter one way or another. But when they did this experiment, they not only had the chocolate chip cookies, they not only had the candy, but they also had a bunch of red radishes, okay? I don't know about you. I'm not a fan of red radishes. And so they, they told this group to eat the red radishes, but not the cookies and not the candy. Well, they pretty much all failed the test, but a few of them did pass the test. And so they did a next step to this test. After they were sitting at this table for a while and and they find out uh, at the end of the test, you know, who ate the radishes as they were told versus those who ate the cookies and the candy, uh, they discovered that the group that ate the cookies and the candy had less ability to concentrate. What they did is they took a complex geometry problem and they wanted to sit down. Now, now this was a problem that could not be solved. So they sat them down and, and the trick was that the problem was was unsolvable, but what mattered was not solving the problem, but they wanted to see how long they would work at the problem before giving up. Well, the students that ate the radishes, they worked for over 20 minutes on that particular problem. But the students who ate the cookies and the candy, they only worked about eight minutes. Well, why was there such a big difference? Well, they discovered that self-control and resisting sweets also provided extra self-control and sticking with a problem. Research called this the ability to have discipline. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I discipline my body. I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. Now, does this mean self-control, once used, is gone forever? Well, no, not at all. They have discovered that self-discipline will recharge itself with rest. In fact, the more often self-control is used, the stronger it gets. I guess you could say the same thing about sin. The more I sin, the more I want to sin, and the less ability I have to overcome sin. So self-control is just the opposite. It's like a muscle. Self-control gets stronger the more we use it. It becomes habit-forming. It also will weaken immediately after we use it, but when we get rest, it will get stronger. Well, there's one final point that I want to cover before we close our time together. The fourth thing that we see And those who have the ability to consistently overcome the power of sin in their lives have an inheritance with Christ. Verse number 17, Paul says, now we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Well, we're going to start the broadcast with point number four tomorrow, and then I'm going to share with you four ways that you can grow your inheritance. But just before I say so long for the day, I want to recommend a devotional book for you. In the year 2023, I am doing a daily devotional by Alistair Begg. Now, I think he's on this station, and I love listening to Alistair Begg. He's such a blessing. Well, he's got a devotional called Truth for Life. It's a 365 daily devotional, and I want to encourage you to purchase it. Uh, I found one on Amazon for about fifteen dollars. The thing I like about this devotional very practical, very biblically based. But on the bottom page of each day, it has what you need to read if you're going to read through the Bible in a year. And so, I've encouraged my congregation, and I encourage you as well. Read through the Bible in 2023. It will change your life. And uh, this is a great way to have a devotion to go along with your Bible reading every day. Truth for Life, 365 daily devotionals by Alistair Begg. It'll be a great opportunity for you to grow in your faith. Well, please join me tomorrow as we look at ways that we can grow our spiritual inheritance. Now, if I can pray for you, you are free to send me a text okay uh shoot me a text message at 252-267-2365 and i want to thank uh many of you have been coming uh and visiting me at my church it's been so good to see you uh i was talking to a, a listener who drove uh, a long way uh down into virginia beach uh, down near the ocean front and uh, worshiped with us this past weekend so thank you so much for making that drive and I want you to know, we're not super far from anybody in the Southampton Roads area. In about 35 minutes, maybe 40 minutes if you live uh, really far uh, in, uh, in the Hampton Roads area from us, love to have you come. Hickory Ridge Community Church, 3320 Battlefield Boulevard, South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if I can help you through prayer, 252 267 Two three six five. I'd love to pray for you. Get our prayer team praying for you as well. Thank you for listening today. God bless you. Be safe as you're driving home. I'm praying for you and thank the Lord for you. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at Buzzsprout.com/backslash one eight nine zero five five seven, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast.